Now, if you're able to turn with me to page 268 in our Pew Bibles, uh, we come to our Bible reading for today, uh, which is Ruth chapter 2. Last Sunday, we began our studies in the book of Ruth, where we read about a man called Elimelech who left Bethlehem about 3,300 years ago, along with his family, to go to a foreign land in order to escape a famine. Unfortunately, although his sons married there, both he and his boys died in the land of Moab, leaving his widowed wife, Naomi, and his two daughters-in-law, Orpha and Ruth. Orpha chooses to return back to her own people, but Ruth, even though she was a Moabitess, chooses to go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to the land of Israel and to the town of Bethlehem. And so let's pick up the story on page 268, uh, chapter 1 and verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, although I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, 
Come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carries it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen, redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And we pray that God will give us understanding of this beautiful reading from his word. If it's easy for you to turn to page 268, that would be wonderful. Uh, last week we were introduced to this lovely story. Lovely not because it is a romantic tale, because it is more, much more than that, but because of a woman whose name is Naomi, whose name means lovely. Once upon a time she was a lovely person, and she had a perfectly lovely home, a husband, a farm, and two boys. But then famine struck and things were no longer lovely. Her husband, whose name means my God is king, decided to leave Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, bread house, and go to a place where his God was not king, to Moab. There seek bread that does not satisfy. And although their two sons marry, sadly Elimelech dies, and so do their two boys, leaving Naomi feeling bereft and alone, even less lovely than she had been before she left Bethlehem. And now she determines to return back home. Orpha, one of the daughters-in-law writes herself out of the story by traveling the broad way back to her people and her gods, whereas Ruth, the other daughter-in-law, gives the story its name by traveling along with Naomi via the direction of the narrow way. 
back to the place of few prospects and inevitably insecurity, but back nonetheless to the place of bread. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Returning back to the Lord can be complicated. Returning back to the God of Bethlehem can be difficult, uncertain, even embarrassing. But returning back to the Lord is always the right thing to do. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we return to this story of ordinary people seeking to return back home, please will you speak to us by the power of your Spirit that we may too be led in the way that is good and right. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, last Sunday, Sam introduced us to lovely, to lovely Naomi, whose life turned out to be anything but lovely. And this Sunday, I want to introduce to you Lucky, whose life had been anything but lucky. Ruth the Moabites, verse 2. Moab was not just Israel's ancient enemy, it was also a place known for its idolatry, incest, and ignorance. And imagine this young woman with no bread, no husband, no children, and no hope, arriving with her no prospects mother-in-law Naomi to a place with new customs, unfamiliar people, and suspicious stares. I wonder, ladies, if you have any idea just how hard it is to be a refugee in the present day, just how extraordinarily difficult it is to be an asylum seeker. You have come from a place of danger, you have traveled via a dangerous route, you have experienced trauma, prejudice, and disrespect on the way. And now once you have arrived in the place of safety, you look different from the locals. You feel out of your comfort zone and you don't speak the language. People stare at you with suspicion. They look at you with distrust and anxiety, some even with hatred, fearful that you have come in order to take their jobs and upset their familiar way of life. I remember the first time I had an experience that approximated anything like this that placed me out of my comfort zone. It was a summer outreach event in Bangor some 30 years ago while assistant minister in Hamilton Road. We had put on a hunt the worker activity for the kids where the leaders dressed up in various costumes and the teenagers had to find you downtown. And I dressed up as a punk my hair was well spiked, I put on black mascara, I wore torn jeans and brightly coloured shoes. And as I walked along the pavement, I saw the looks that came my way. 
I felt the vibes of the good people of Bangor. And I remember so clearly meeting a prominent elder from the congregation who chose to look the other way. <laughs> Until that is, I called by him by his name and said, are you not saying hello? It was a never forgetful lesson for me, just how locals can make you feel if you are any way different. And this must have been the experience of Ruth the Moabitess in verse 2, who returned to the land of Naomi's God, even though Naomi had strayed, and although she herself had never been in Bethlehem before. What was it we've just been singing? Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Has it ever occurred to you that the person you see with the dark skin and with the strange clothes might in fact be one of the Lord's own special children in need of God's people's special love? And so lucky Ruth, whose life had been to date so unlucky, said to her mother-in-law, let me go out into the fields and pick the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And as luck would have it, chapter 1, verse 22, they arrived in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. The famine had passed, the harvest was now about to begin. And would you believe it, chapter 2, verse 3, as luck would have it again, she found herself working in a field that just happened to belong to a worthy man, a man of fine standing whose name was Boaz. And amazingly, astonishingly, by sheer chance, verse 4, at that very moment, who should turn up at that field but the man himself? This man who we happen to have been told in verse 1 was a relation on Naomi's husband's side. Unfortunate Ruth the Moabitess just happened to get lucky. Do you believe in luck? Three weekends ago, my eldest daughter was in Iceland for three days with her husband and mother-in-law. It just so happened that my brother and his wife were in a cruise around Iceland. And amazingly, they bumped into each other at a waterfall. Luck. Is that what happened to Ruth? Well, Boaz, this man of noble character, notices Ruth. And after finding out her story, shows remarkable generosity just as the Torah commands in Deuteronomy 24, Boaz makes special provision for her as an alien, as someone who is fatherless and a widow. He makes provision for her to gather in his field because the Scriptures teach God's people to be kind to strangers. And when Ruth comes home that day, Naomi finds out that she has been lucky enough to meet Boaz. And bitter Naomi brightens up. 
And uh, she makes the connection that Boaz is their family redeemer with the ability to protect their future. And the first sign of loveliness returns to the face of lucky Ruth's mother-in-law. Isn't it amazing how when the indigenous believer Naomi wondered why God could deal so harshly with her in Moab, the foreign girl from Moab wondered why Boaz would deal so generously with her in Bethlehem. But Ruth's loyalty to her mother-in-law Naomi and her willingness to travel this narrow path back home to Naomi's God in the house of bread leads to the unexpected and overwhelming blessing of the God of Israel and the provision of much bread. You do know that, don't you? While the way back to God may be complicated, while returning back to the Lord may be difficult, uncertain, and even embarrassing, returning back to the Lord is never wrong. It is, in fact, always the right thing to do. And while Christian people may or may not see it, Ephesians 1.11 tells us God works out everything according to the purpose of his will for our good and for his glory. And so should anyone here by chance this morning be feeling empty, bitter, confused, worthless, having been disobedient, lazy, or careless, don't let the devil keep you in Ruth chapter 1. Return. Return to the Lord and see what lucky things God might even have in store for you. Well, the rest of chapter 2 is just beautiful. This may not just be a romantic tale, but it does nonetheless contain great moments of loveliness and tenderness. My daughter, said Boaz to Ruth in verse 8, do you remember who called the woman who touched the hem of the Redeemer's cloak in Mark chapter 5 by exactly that same term? My daughter. My daughter, don't go and glean in another field. Stay here. Follow after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. And who, we wonder, is this wonderful man of strength and character who speaks to Ruth so tenderly, who cares for her, who provides for her, who protects her and grants her water to drink? Who could this Redeemer be who reaches out to her in total and utter fragility and vulnerability and need and speaks tenderly to her, urging her in verse 12 to find refuge under the wings of the God of Israel? Come. Come over here, he said in verse 14. Come here and have some bread. 
And when she sat down, verse 14, she ate all she wanted. And amazingly, astonishingly, there was some left over. Ever heard that before? And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave special instructions that his men should leave her even more. Verse 16. And that night when all the threshing of the barley had been gathered in, it had mounted to an ephah, which last week you may remember we discovered, much to our amazement, was one-tenth of a homer. In other words, it was a lot. Some 90 kgs, the equivalent of three enormous suitcases that you might carry uh, all your luggage in if you were going off to university. This, my friends, is grace upon grace, amazing grace. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. In Christ alone, my hope is fine. Sometimes, you know, it is necessary that we might be empty before we are filled. And that certainly was the case here. Where on earth, verse 19, did you glean today? Asked Naomi of Ruth when she returned home. Blessed is the man who took notice of you. Blessed indeed. Lucky in the extreme. I guess there are two sorts of people today, and perhaps by chance both are here this morning. There are those who say, I don't need redeeming. I'm okay just as I am. The gospel is only for needy people, and I'm not one of those. And there are those who say, I'm not worthy of redeeming. God wouldn't have any time for the likes of me, not after what I've done and how far I've gone from him. Well, know this. There is a man of noble character, a man of worth and standing who says, my son, my daughter, come over here and in your fragility and vulnerability, I will give you a drink water that will never fail. I will give you bread, bread that will never go stale. And what I wonder might be our response. We'll, we'll look down at verse 10 and what Ruth did. She bowed down with her face to the ground and exclaimed, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you have noticed me? The appropriate, the only response is wonder and repentance and to receive, to turn from Moab, to turn to Bethlehem, to turn from the place of disobedience and folly and human wisdom and turn to the Redeemer. And if God has been speaking to you this morning, then please, 
please, verse 8, don't go elsewhere. Don't go and glean in another field, as it were. Don't go from here. Come back. Come back. Come home. And so we read in verse 23 that Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, that's interesting. Rather touching, don't you think? It's lovely. She lived with her mother-in-law. But surely that can't be the end of the story, living with the mother-in-law. Can it? Let's pray. And as this ancient story of Ruth the Moabitess is read, so we hear another story, our story in relation to the story, the story about a man of great worth, a man of stature who in love and care and compassion redeems, not because we deserve it, but because he is worthy. And should it be by luck or good fortune, or as we believe by God's providence, you happen to be here this morning and sense God speaking directly to you, then don't ignore this call. Take it as your opportunity to come Come as you are, receive from him all that he has wonderfully in store for you. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, as we read your word, so we also hear your voice. We hear you calling to us to repent of our wandering, our straying away, a rejection of your covenant love. And we hear your gracious invitation to return to the place where alone bread that can satisfy is to be found. Enable us, Heavenly Father, to swallow our pride. And whatever the cost, whatever other people may say, to respond to the Redeemer and in finding him utter fulfillment and deepest joy. Hear this our prayer, for it is made in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God under whose wings we can take refuge. We thank you that in a fragile world, you are constant, secure, and unchanging. Hear us now, Lord, as we pray for others. 
We remember with thankfulness Betty and pray for your comfort for those who miss and mourn her. We pray for all in our church family who are unwell, grieving, anxious, facing financial insecurity, who are lonely, hurting, or facing struggles that maybe no one else knows anything about. Would you draw near to each one and offer your rest, peace, and comfort? We pray for those in our church family whom you have called to positions of leadership and responsibility in their various workplaces or voluntary organizations. Would you help each one to show wisdom, discernment, and godly leadership in their roles? Father, we pray for our young people who are waiting for AS and A-level results this week and for GCSE results next week. Would each young person know peace and not anxiety in this time of waiting? We pray that each young person would be convinced of their identity in you and be assured that their worth is found in you and not in their exam results. For those who are leaving school this year and moving on to something new, please direct their paths and assure them of your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, for summer, for holidays, for rest, for refreshment, for a different pace of life. We pray for your protection on all those who are away or who are still to travel. And as we thank you for summer, we thank you for summer teams and the opportunity that many have had to serve on these this year. Thank you for how your gospel is being proclaimed through camps and missions in our own country and beyond. As your word goes forth, we claim the promise that it will not return to you empty. And so we boldly pray for lasting fruit in the lives of our children, young people and leaders who have been part of summer teams this year. We pray for our own holiday Bible club next week and thank you for all who have signed up to help at that. We pray, God, that you would bring many children along from Bloomfield and beyond. We pray that Holiday Club would be a fun week, that the practical arrangements would run smoothly and that many children would hear about Jesus. As they do, would your Holy Spirit be at work, sowing seeds and bringing children to faith. Finally, Father, we thank you for Helen serving you faithfully in Japan. Thank you for the opportunities that she has to share you with others. And we pray that as she reads the Bible regularly with two ladies, that you would be at work in these ladies' hearts to reveal the truth of the gospel to them and to bring them to faith. In the joys and challenges of her ministry, we ask that you would help Helen to take refuge under your wings. And we pray all these things in the power of the Spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>